being introspective and looking at who I am and how I interact with people and saying, ooh, that didn't work, it made me a mature D. Because a D can be kind of like really intense and just a really hard person to deal with. And I can be like, hard to deal with depending on what it is. Because um, if I dig my feet in about something, I really believe in something, I'm going to do it. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's with clients, whatever, whatever, right? But it took counseling and looking at myself and just a lot of growth to understand that. I'm extremely passionate about helping corporate professionals transition into entrepreneurship. So I had to share the one thing, the number one thing that helped me develop as an entrepreneur, and that's the morning meetup. I joined the morning meetup specifically for the structure because I'm, I'm leaving corporate America, so I'm used to those morning huddles. We got our sales, we know what our goals are, and we get our day started. So I was missing that for two years before I even found the morning meetup. Now, the second thing that I really, really benefited from was the revenue, revenue generating activity was not necessarily a thing before 2021. Now I had my LLC, I had my website, I had a few clients here and there, but the momentum really took off as soon as I got around like-minded individuals and people who really knew the struggles that I was already dealing with that I could get over my fear of sales and communicating my value and putting myself out there on social media. The friends that I've developed, the mentors and the mentees that I've, that I've created relationships with, Everything has really created this environment for us to thrive as entrepreneurs. So if you wanna develop as an entrepreneur, you're leaving corporate America and you're trying to figure out how do I get my footing in entrepreneurship, then the morning meetup will definitely be a game changer for you. You can learn with us, you can grow with us. And I didn't even mention that we have a book club. Join us in the community, let's get started today. You will not regret it. Welcome to another episode of the Work and Play Podcast. I'm your host, Arielle, and today I'm super excited about today's guest because everyone needs a person like this woman right here. So I don't care if you're a new entrepreneur or a seasoned entrepreneur, you're going to need her, and I'm going to show you why. So without further ado, would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. I am Christina Cooksey. I am a consultant, chief operations officer. I basically come in and I fix your business. Call me Dr. Polisher. Oh, come on with it. Now, Chief Operating Officer, COO, essentially you are the right-hand man for a lot of entrepreneurs out here. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to like what it is that you're doing, you're like the, the, the back end of the like admin, production, sound, like all of that. So what do people not know about a COO that they need to really know about like the benefits? Let me clarify a bit. I do more. I am now moving in a space where I'm doing more social events, especially in the Atlanta area. Mm. Um, I think that especially here, people greatly underestimate how important the back end is. And oftentimes people are so excited to like launch stuff and have these events and they don't understand that the devil is in the details. Mm -hmm. And experientially, that is what can kill or make your event excel. And so what I'm actually in the process of doing is rebranding myself to focus more on that because it's important to do something you love. Mm -hmm. And I love events and I love operation. And now I'm coming in a space where I'm like, you know what? That's what I want to do, and I enjoy doing it. So um, what I do is what you ask. Yes. So I will build the back end ground up. all Like I said, all, all the way from the details, all the way up to the high level of it. So, you know, what color your, your event is, for example. Is it in alignment with your brand? Um, what does the color say to your consumer? Mm. You know, what do you want them to feel? I'm all about vibe. When I meet and have my um, my initial meetings with my potential clients, that's the first question I ask them, what's the vibe? What do you want? 
Do you want people to walk in and be like, oh, this smells good, this feels good? Or did you want them to be more serious? Because I think that, you know, as human beings, like, we feel. Like, that's that's what differentiates us from a lot of animals. And, and cognitively, we're able to really influence that. And I don't think a lot of entrepreneurs realize that. Mm-hmm. And you can have, for example, the greatest speakers at your social events, but... If your colors aren't in alignment, if the sound isn't good, if it's not rolling well, if they don't feel like they have enough communication, if it doesn't, if, if it's not giving what it should give, it's never going to be something that'll bring them back. And the bigger thing is with merging something like operations, I use data. What's your retention? Have you done this before? Okay. Are people coming back? Why are they coming back? What worked? What didn't work? What should we change? What should we improve? That type of thing. All those questions can like send a person like me off the edges, right? And me, I'm, I'm throwing them at you. And if you don't know, I'm like, great, data. Mm. You know, I'm currently getting my PhD. I don't know if you know this. So I'm huge on data. I'm huge on data. And I'm not, you know, we talked a little bit about this prior too, but with being a high D and understanding like, you know, that I am process over people, I use that data to inform how I deal with people. Mm, so tell me this, when it comes to um, running in, running a like a, an event, right, mm-hmm. and the data that you actually use, as it relates to their audience, where do you grab the data that an entrepreneur surveys. might not know? Mm. Surveys. People, the power in surveys is insane, mm-hmm. you know, and really it's a underutilized tool. And a lot of people don't even know how to construct, like there's a science to it. There's a, there, how you ask the questions, which questions you are asking, you know, how are the answers formulated? You have to be able to populate the data and actually extract it to tell you something. If you're asking meaningless questions, it's a survey. And people don't even realize with getting a survey, the company's getting data on you to improve their process, their product, their service, whatever it is. Absolutely. So you're behind a lot of the, in Atlanta, so many of the events that I've had an opportunity to go to. And what I would say is what I know about your brand, Elevation. When it comes to a lot of things that we do, even for myself, like I'll put something together, I'll show up and I want things to work out. You take things to the next level, right? the polisher. Yeah. (laughs) Bring it in. So how did you even come up with like how you explain what it is that you do to people who have no clue the value of it? How do I explain what I do to people who don't understand the value? You know, that's hard. A lot of people don't even know they need me in the way that they need me. They know that something's off. They know they know they need to be elevated, I think. Otherwise, they wouldn't be contacting me. But then it's also like, I also don't think they understand the intricacies of it and how they'll need to move different. Mm-hmm. And I think that I can't really explain it. They just have to feel it and go through it. Yes. And then after, when it's done properly, and I'm given enough time to do it, and I can do it in the right way, they're like, ooh, <laughs> that's what this is about. Because my thing is, I tell my clients, like, don't you want to walk into your event and you don't have to do anything? I literally ask my clients, how much, when, they, when they're like, okay, what package do you, you offer? My question to them is, how much do you not want to worry? Do you want to walk into your event and you're telling people where they're supposed to go and worrying about if things are done or, or that, you know, or that? Or do you just want to walk in and be like, hey, y'all, welcome. Yes. You are bringing me back to my 30th birthday. On my 30th, I never do anything for my birthday. Birthdays are huge. Girl. For me. <laughs> Planet. I bet you would have. You, you remind me of my mother as well. I feel like you're reminiscent. My mother's name is Christina as well. So is she a Virgo? No, she's a Sag. Okay. But she's so about the details. I'm going to tell you this story because it, I think you'll appreciate it. Okay. <laughs> because okay. I plan my 30th birthday and I never do anything for my birthday. I just wanted people to show up and I want to get time. Yes. I had a program 
I'm like, these are the things that I want to do at my party. And it was, you know, we're in the middle of a pandemic. So it's oh partially in person oh and it's partially on Zoom. I planned that thing maybe a month in advance. And when I tell you a month in advance, I'm also getting my master's in social work. So I'm like halfway, like putting together a word. It's nothing my chest tight. Listen Girl. I'm like, oh, I can feel like I can hear all the things that probably weren't wrong. You know what? So here's the thing. Um, and I'm sure I'm sure you work, work with clients like this who the value for me. So the stress in the moment, super high. When you said like, if you want to come in and say, hey, you know, just come in and just be yourself. Then that's the value because what I had to do is get in there. I'm worrying about who's going to cook the food. How are we going to serve the food? It's a pandemic. How are we going to eat the food? When are we going to serve the food? Okay, so how do we get people on Zoom? All the details just threw me for a loop, right? And my mom was like, what color flower? Where's your centerpiece? You know, that threw me off. <laughs> Why do I need a centerpiece? <laughs> but then when we got done, we literally had to pow, had a powwow. Mm-hmm. And Good. everything that you're saying right now... It really helped me understand, one, delegation mm-hmm. is important. So I would say, like, I yeah. learned yeah. that someone like you is super important. Yeah. And then in order for, like, me to do let you do your best work, I have to be clear of the vision. Yeah. And I feel like that's what you're saying. And I think one step further than that, I work well with people who know themselves. Mm-hmm. And they're ready to be elevated, right? And they're just going to let me come in and just be me. Because you're hiring me for a reason. But going back and forth when you know you're not good at this... And you know that I'm good at this. Why are we doing this? Yeah. Why are we doing it's this? It's a control it's like, It is. <laughs> and it's like, you. if I had said to you, okay, let's get the decor ready. You need centerpieces. Why do I need centerpieces? Ariel, why are we doing this? You just, you need a centerpiece. Yes. What do you want? What color do you want your centerpiece to be? Yes, yes. That's the type of, yeah. So. Well, see, that what I, what I would appreciate, and I think you bring this, I've seen you work events. It's like, don't ask me what kind of centerpiece I want because I don't care. And, and the thing is, there are, so I'm able to calibrate mm-hmm. and the questions that I ask you, Data, mm-hmm. helps me understand how to deal with you. Mm. I need to get to know you first. Mm-hmm. And that's not, that doesn't take me long, you know, and that's in my, my initial assessment. You know, I ask very pointed questions and that gives me how detailed you need, you, how much of the details you're okay with being. Mm-hmm. Or if it's like a, Christina, I don't care. One of my clients is like, Christina, I don't know. I don't care. That's you. <laughs> like, and those clients... Yes. Because all I need to know is your vibe. And I'm just going to, just let me run. That's what I tell Just please let me run. And you'll love it. And if you guys have seen any of the events, then you know that she can literally do what she says she's going to do. She executes. So now that we kind of know you from the external perspective, we've seen you run some events. We know what it takes to have a CEO. And I promise you, we haven't even scratched the surface. I'm curious, like, when did you start getting into events? Were you like the little girl who's like putting the Barbie doll together, putting the, the wedding together? Mm, that is... <laughs> when did I get into events? I've always been that person that when something was going on with my family and friends, people were like, mm. or I need to know what to wear. I'm calling Christina. Keep me my stylist for this. And so then I started to do it more and I'm like, I really enjoy this. And then I started getting booked like with um, some of the clients that I worked with. I originally started off as just a regular COO and then I started doing more events corporately and I was like I enjoy this the, the stress of it and it's really a goal for me it's like all right I'm pushing myself to do something different every time and seeing if it works and then the final product I'm looking at I'm like this is good so the more I started doing that and f- seeing how fulfilled I was through it I was like this is where I need to be and it wasn't until I started moving more into the social sector that it was like, I need to stay here. Okay. Because a lot of people, it, it's more of a need. 
a lot of people will say, I want to do this event. And they don't even, they'll want to do the event before they've planned the event. And that's actually backwards. You don't know how much the event is going to cost. You don't know what the budget is. You don't know if you need speakers, if how you want to. You have to think those things through for it to be executed properly. Right. So if someone says to me, like, if you, if you came to me and you said, Christina, I want a 30th birthday, I'm already thinking about the birthday cake, the colors, the invitations, how you want them to be invited. What the, Do you want them to have finger food? Do you want them to have a plate of dinner? How elaborate do you want the decor? Do you want light things? Do you want a lot of, you want less white space? Like, all of these things, I'm, my mind is going. Mm. So it's knowing that people needed it and I was good at it and I enjoyed it I was like okay I probably about seven years ago is when I really got serious about it and then people pushed me bigger and bigger and mm-hmm. bigger now I'm doing weddings and conferences and essence like I, I'm really doing big stuff so and I really love it essence I worked essence I worked press room for essence two years and ran press room met a lot of great people and learned a lot. essence is really was really high paced I advanced very quickly through the ranks at Essence. And I think that that was probably, I started out as a volunteer. And by year two, the summer, I was running the press room. This was years ago. And that was probably the beginning. It was like years ago. And that was, I would say, the real start. I love it. Okay, so now I'm starting to see the full picture. Because I remember when we were on the stage at the morning meetup and um, I didn't. I would have. I could have guessed that you had experience in corporate, but I didn't know specifically. Oh, I come from corporate fully. Really, and yeah. so so when you were volunteering, were you still in your nine to five, and then kind of volunteering for Essence? It actually started out as a favor to my friend. Mm-hmm. You know, he called me. He was just like, "Man, you know, they're really low on volunteers at Essence, and they really need it." So I I uh, volunteered that first year, and the lady that was running Essence, like fully Essence at the time, she was like, "This girl's kind of." You know, because I was picking up things that people wouldn't see. I'm like, so logistically, how are the performers going to get backstage without being seen? Who chose this? Like, you know, and she's like, huh, you know, and by year two, it was like, okay, we need Christina. We're hiring Christina. Where's Christina? You know, Um, and I was in I was actually in school at the time. Okay, I was actually in school at the time. What were you studying? Uh, Animal science. So my background, I actually all my life loved animals, still love animals, studying gorillas in Africa, love them, love them. Um, and I was in animal science at Tuskegee and I got my master's and then went to get my PhD. But during the time that I was really getting heavy into it, I had a little bit more time because I was in school. Mm. So I didn't have a nine to five heavy that I had to commit to, but I was still working. So I was doing a lot. But what I really enjoyed was that. So it was like that was... When I was stressed, I was planning. Yes. You know, on my days where I'm like, I really don't want to do a lot of work, but I got work to do. That's what I do. You know, if my clients have an event coming up, I'm doing that because it's fun. It's still work, but it's fun. Yes, and that's what gave you life a little bit. It's interesting. So you said you were raised corporate, and one thing that that we have to talk about is your time spent with the gorillas, because like that was a story that one I learned. It catches a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> like, what? The gorillas? Like, it's a joke. Like a lot of people like. And it's so funny because uh, my good girlfriend, she tells people and and they think they're like, I'm lying or it's it, she's playing they're like, no, nah, for real. And she's like, no, for real. You know, and it's a passion of mine just yeah. being out there. And I love to unplug because I have to move a certain way all the time. I love to just not be around my phone. I mean, we're talking a situation where I was out there, you know, eight weeks no running water, no electricity, no. And I like to push myself and challenge myself. That's a challenge for me. I've never been hiking. Mm. I'm a, I'm a Southside girl from Chicago. You know, never went hiking. Literally, my advisor at the time, she looked at me. We're out in Congress. She goes, "So, Christina, have you ever been hiking?" 
She's like, so you just come to Congo to be in the forest, to live in a tent for eight weeks. Yeah. You've never done anything like this. Nope. And it was no problem for you? Like you're No, it was a problem. Mm-hmm. I At the time, I was in a relationship. The, the bigger thing, the bigger issue was not... It was hard. It was one of the hardest things I've done because I had never been that disconnected before. I had never had to conquer myself mentally that way before. We're talking about every day I'm going out at 5 and 6 a.m. There are elephants that I'm worrying about. There are snakes that I can step on. There's a gorilla. There's a chimp. You know, there's a there's a, uh, a croc up the, <laughs> up the stream we were bathing in, you know, pushing myself. So a lot of what I do is just my own personal, like, hmm, how can I take this to the next level for myself? Can I do this? Yeah. You have this crazy energy about you, and I'm really going to try to get everything I can oh, yeah. about you in this, in this like, one conversation because you're super, like, dynamic between event planning, <laughs> right, COO, gorilla, your gorilla experience, research, like, and I'll go ahead and say it because, like, you, you shared the whole thing in the morning meetup, so, like, the research aspect of you. And we're like, this is like 10 years of life. So take me back. Oh, God. Because Chicago. Because that's a whole other. When people hear about Chicago, you know, we, we get all the bad rep about Chicago. But right? that's what makes me so dynamic. Chicago. That's why I want to go back. So tell us, you're, you're growing up. Yep. What's life like growing up for you? So I was, I'm number two of four girls. Um, so even being in that space, is you have to be dynamic. You know, you got the dynamics with your parents. You Mm -hmm. got your dynamic with this sister, this sister, this sister, the group of y'all, these two. All my life I've had to like compartmentalize or be dynamic. Um, So growing up in Chicago, super nerd, super nerd, super super nerd. (laughs) Biggest book bag. I always had heels on. Even in high school, I would wear heels. Lauren will tell you. I would wear, I was in, (laughs) she'd make fun of me because I would have this huge like 30 pound book bag on and be walking through the halls with my heels on and everybody be like, this girl is retarded. (laughs) Like something is wrong with her. So high school, wearing heels, like cheerleading, you know, just. Were you like a super girly girl? Yes. Always. Mm. Always. Always super girly girl. Um, Yeah. I mean, that's the big, that's the crux of it. Like my mother was very, very, very into education. Mm Mm-hmm. We had a learning center. So in our house was this room where we would go and do our homework. It it looked like a library, room to room with books. You know, um, she was a, she really expected us to operate in excellence when it came to education. So when we came home from school, we would change our clothes. We would watch Arthur. Yes. She's very strict about what we watch too. Okay. Even I don't think she knew it at the time, but she was protecting what we were taking in. She, you know, how they say like, you know, you gotta watch what you because you feed your mind. Absolutely. She wouldn't use that verbiage, but that's what it was. Mm-hmm. You know, we would always watch something educational. You know, and then we would change. We would have our snack and we would go down to the learning center. We didn't really play outside, and that could be that social thing that we talked about before. Mm-hmm. We didn't really play outside. It was just us working. So when it was like, okay, I finished this book report. She's like, right, but you know you have one coming up next week, so why would you not get started on that? It was always something to do, right? What did your mom do? She was a stay-at-home mom. Stay-at-home. So, she, so I wonder what she would have done, because she's running oh, tight shit. My mother's brilliant. In my PhD program, when I need stuff proofread, uh, proofread I send it to my mom. Yeah. She's one of the most intelligent women I know. Yeah. I think people underestimate. Really? Was she also a stay-at-home mom? No. My grandmother was 100% corporate. Banks running Chicago, very high up in uh, Chicago education. Mm. You know, really hard workers. So taking the dynamic of both. Yeah. I love to be at home. I love to cook and clean. I, I'm 
I'm my happiest when I'm like cooking in the kitchen. I love to cook. I lo so it's taking that corporate side from my grandmother and taking the you know the motherly, womanly, running the household role for my great grandmother, big mama, and my mother. I'm loving this. So okay. Ooh, I'm not gonna do so it. Continue. Yes. Ooh, do, ooh, do it. Well, because because I'm sitting here like you run events like the Olivia Pope of events, right? And you're super duper like. I would say even I would say maybe you being able to like um, tend to people and serve people allows you to bring that like domestic side of you to what you do, and, and that's where the that, that's where the, the mesh goes. And I think that a lot of women, especially working in that high power environment, yeah. think that you have to move a certain way. You don't. You don't have to. I'm just gonna say it. Be more masculine in that role. Yeah. You're actually more effective and more powerful bringing that domestic side because you can make things move that you wouldn't otherwise or it allows you to see it in a different way that other people wouldn't because they don't add that aspect mm -hmm. and women we devalue the domestic side of us 100%. to be able to well, one a lot of us don't have that yes. upbringing oh and so we don't see what that you way. see you get what I'm saying? I feel that. That's lit. I feel that. Okay, so you're you're back in school. Yep. You're back at, back at home. Yep. You guys aren't going outside to play. Nope. Um, super structured, but um, life is good. Life is good. Life is good. Thank you so much for watching the Work and Play podcast. This episode is sponsored by the Boss Up Conference, which is a community for entrepreneurs, CEOs, celebrities, and corporate executives to come together, network, and solve some problems. Thank you all so much for being supporters of the Work and Play podcast. And thank you for watching the Work and Play podcast and all the episodes before. Now let's get back to the episode. You know, we didn't grow up super wealthy or anything like that. We we did, we didn't really come from my uh, come from money or anything like that. My parents were young. My parents had my oldest sister at 18, so they were growing up with us. I mean, by 28, my mom had all four of us. Wow. Yeah. So it was it was it was a. I don't like the word struggle. I I think that it made us go getters. Mm -hmm. It we were able to take. What is the saying? To take the lemons and make lemonade. Make lemonade, yeah, yeah. The way that if we did come from a different, like a certain type of background, we wouldn't be able to. And I'm able to problem solve and navigate in different ways because I was pushed young to do that. Mm -hmm. So it's in me to do. Yeah, I'm, I can imagine being resourceful with four kids yep. in Chicago. Mom's a stay-at-home mom, but... My mother is the most resourceful person I know. Love him. Man. Man, so your dad's value, your your dad must have been, um, or was that so? Was it traditional that your mom was a stay at home mom, or was it because you guys could afford it? I think a little bit of both, mm. but I think it was definitely, I mean, yeah, I think it was a little bit of both, but more so like probably affording it. Okay, what did your dad do? So, my dad at the time, majority of my life, he was actually in sales. Um, my dad lost his father really long, really young, like two, so. I give my father a lot of credit because he was in the streets young. My dad is a hood guy, a hood Chicago guy, um, and got in the streets young, into drugs, drinking, things like that, and turned his life around and really showed me quintessentially what a man is, you know, and showing me what, even if you do make mistakes and you had made mistakes in your past, it's never too late to turn it around. Yeah. And he's been clean since like early 90s. And that's a struggle every day, you know, and I think that... Even when you're looking at that house life and you're looking at the dynamics of a house, a lot of times people give the credit to the mother. And my mother wouldn't have been able to move the way that she moved if she didn't have my father. It really sounds like, and it's like we keep going back to this motif of allowing other people to do what they do best. But in a marriage, you have to really be able to really allow navigate that person. That. Yeah. So it sounds like the first 
instance of you being able to see a good partnership is between your mom and dad? I think, yes, in terms of like getting it done, I would have loved to see more emotion there. Mm. But I think that when you are trying to get four babies through life (laughs) in South Side of Chicago, it's everything's done by necessity, you know, and I think that now that they have an empty nest and they the good thing, it kind of helped them because the good thing with having kids young, we're out the house and they're still young. You know, my parent, like my dad is just turning 55. Ooh, yes. And I know then it sucks because it's like, God, I got four kids, I'm young. But like, no, they're living. The, and <laughs> I mean, they haven't had a baby in the house since, I mean, my youngest sister's 25. So what is that? Seven years? Yeah. You know, so and they're living, like traveling and they're able to like really still live life together. Um, but I really would have loved to see more of that love in the house during that time. Mm-hmm. But it's not a judgment. They de- I mean, they killed the game considering, but it was a thing like even now as an adult woman, I, w- I know that I want my, I have a son, so I want my son and my future kids to see me love on my husband. And I want them to see me serve my husband and be submissive to my husband because there are certain things that a household needs. And in order for a family to be run a certain type of way, the home to be ran a certain type of way there are certain roles people have to play absolutely. and i think these days this day and age we've gotten a lot of too far away from those roles absolutely and that's why we're seeing society is the way it is mm. you brought this up i want to go back to your childhood so we will go back to your childhood childhood um but when you said earlier in the conversation you said the only thing that stands us apart from like animals is like um cognitive ability yeah our cognitive ability and since we're on this topic, one of the things that I think helps also makes us stand out in like a relationship standpoint from like just primates is like the ability to, to challenge ourselves to get married and to mm. be in a partnership. Because but a lot that's of actually people, not true. They have partnership. Think, no, they have partnerships oh, too. Oh, tell me more. Oh my God, let's talk about gorillas, for example. Yeah. So the male gorilla, the silverback. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, okay, let's back up. The female gorilla is never really found in the forest alone. Never. You'll, and if you do see her, you understand that it's over for her. Because the reason why they bond to the silverback is for protection only. Um, the, bigger, the biggest predator, aside from man, for a gorilla is like great cats, like a leopard or something that'll kill them. Okay. It's harder for a cat to kill a silverback than it is a female. And the female understands that if she's with him... He'll protect her. Yes. He also understands there is positive, the positivity of that relationship as well, which would be, I keep her around because I need to procreate. It's natural for them to understand, I need to get my kids in the world and keep this gene pool going. And it's not something they're obviously sitting there saying, like, I need to keep this gene (laughs) going. But in nature, it's happening, right? So they do understand the sanctity and importance of a relationship, and they navigate it accordingly. So she's like, I don't care if there's more women. And not saying that I would ever live that life. But I don't care if there's multiple women, females. But I understand that I'm going to get protected. I'm going to be able to have babies. Mm -hmm. And I won't be out here alone. Mm. Because she knows being alone, she'll die. And I think that, obviously, that's at a granular level. You know? Like, it's it's a little more primitive than us. But just in that. Same thing with lions. You know? And, And there are monogamous species of animals. That's where I want to go because mm-hmm. you're right. Well, yeah, I think the way you break down the necessity of a relationship and that 
men, the male and the, the female understands the root, the relationship between like the survival. Needs. Yeah, the need of survival. survival to have both the male and female. Monogamy. Mm-hmm. That's what even, but I still think you're going to debunk what I'm going to say because I would say monogamy is what sets us apart from primates. So, what no, animals? there are primate species that are monogamous. Yes, help me. And they're that. what we call peer bonded. So, but there's also strategies there. Okay, so primates are. There's only like two species that are loners. Most primate species are what we call gregarious creatures, which are social. They, they're, they're social creatures. And so they live in groups for to protection of predators, to be able to find food easier, and care for infants. Even in monogamous species sometimes, you'll read in the literature where one of the strategies to make sure that her young lives is that she may hear or there copulate or mate with um, another male in the group because it'll stop that male from killing her infant. Mm. So what'll happen is... You said copulate? Copulate, which means to have sex. Yes, yes. I thought that's what you meant, but I wanted to make sure I caught that. (laughs) (laughs) Just for the people out there. Um, But they do that. It's it's another another way to to survive and make sure that her young survives. And it's not that she'll leave them, but here and there they'll do it, right? And it's, it's again... An understanding that I got to do what I got to do to make sure my my young survives. Mm -hmm. There are certain um, species that won't even do that, and they are pair bonded for life. Mm -hmm. So that it's not a you know that's what sets us apart for humans. No, there are definitely uh, different birds that do it. Um, I I don't know if dolphins are, but there are mammals that are. That's cool. Okay, I mean I'm enjoying this conversation. I'm not gonna take so many levels. We're we're talking about relationships, primates, (laughs) (laughs) event planning. I, so if you, okay, so I, I was, um, people, uh, I've been told I'm masculine, right? Mm. And, um, and I remember saying like, I'm not masculine. I'm just a lion and you're a gazelle. You can't judge me because you're a gazelle. <laughs> and so I was like, you know, I went real way off on that. But I said, you know what? Let me put some research behind it. I started looking into lions, right? And one thing I learned about lions is yes, they are gregarious, um, creatures, right? But what I don't like about lions is that there's no loyalty. I just feel like there's like, it's like. Who's not loyal? I feel like... So, a couple of documentaries that I'm watching. I'll give you an example. Um, the male lion... So, there was a, a baby a male cub, right? Mm-hmm. Dies. And so, the male lion just ups and leaves... Um, a two male lions ups and leave the um, pride. And so, the, the female lions and the kids are kind of there to fend for themselves. Now, they need... They, could, they do the hunting. But when it comes to hunting buffaloes and stuff, what I understand is the male lion helps them. Do the hunting. Female, work. actually, that uh, that's, people don't realize how much female lions actually participate in hunting. Yeah, they yeah. don't. Yeah. yeah, so it's, here's the thing. I think that when you're not an animal, this is not you, but I'm saying sometimes <laughs> when you're not an animal person, I think that with those documentaries too, when they don't give the background of it and they just give kind of general information, it's confusing. Mm-hmm. So we don't know. So even when you said it was two male two male lions that left, they're supposed to leave. My question to you was, who was the female lion? Was that his mom? He wants to leave. Oh. He can't copulate. So there were so many things that even when you said it, I was like, my question is, who is she? Is yes. that his sister? He no, doesn't want to do were, that. They were in a relationship. They were in a relationship. But two of them? Were they brothers? So, yes, they were brothers. Okay. And when they left, they went off and then... But remember what I said earlier, their goal is to procreate. So if the kid dies, yes. what was wrong with the kid? It was killed by an alligator or something like that. Mm. So then he could have looked at it and said, okay, she's not a fit mom. My mm. job is to expand my gene pool. And even with humans, I don't. I think that we've put a, too much into it. It's, it's kind of really black or white. Mm. You know, 
even with your comment about being masculine, you know, a man wants to be with a woman that he feels like he can come home to and she's soft, you know, both physically and emotionally and all Mm -hmm. of that good stuff. You know, he wants to be able to be with a woman that he understands will be able to raise his kids mm. and raise it to raise those kids to the standard that he would want them to, even if it's not what he had seen. He, they know. It's a lot. It's a lot. It is. And you know <laughs> what? Because I recognize I'm at the mercy of whoever is um, narrating a documentary, I like to just watch a bunch of them. I'm like, yeah. this isn't the only perspective. But we went so deep into like um, the animal world, and I'm glad we did because it's applicable to a lot it really is it is and and also because you're like a high d it would it would seem at face value that you're not really good on like people skills or relationship dynamics or things like that but you really are but it took a lot of it you know it took a lot of um looking at myself Mm. i'm an empath regardless of what people think i'm watching how you react with me Mm -hmm. and i'm adjusting myself accordingly which could or could not be a I'm, i'm in the process of figuring out if that's a bad thing because if you're feeling a certain type of way it can affect me and I can feel it yeah you know so sometimes I have to block that mm-hmm. but sorry what I'm saying is go being introspective and looking at who I am and how I interact with people and saying oh that didn't work it made me a mature D because a D can be kind of like really intense and just a really hard person to deal with and I can be like hard to deal with depending on what it is because um, if I dig my feet in about something, I really believe in something, I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's with clients, whatever, whatever, right? But it took counseling and looking at myself and just a lot of growth to understand that. Yeah. So let's go back. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm glad you told me you had a son. I didn't know you had a son. Mm-hmm. But that makes so, so, well, you have a drive. So when I say it makes so much sense, I'm basically like, you have a Y built in. Even if you have other Ys, it's like you ain't got no other I was like this before, Jax. Mm, so tell me, growing up, mm-hmm. what did your parents want you to do with your life? Or did you know, hey, I'm going to college, I'm going to do this. Which, who led what? Mm. So I will say one thing that my parents would definitely tell you is from, like, as long as they can remember, I was always an animal person. And so I was always pushed to be a vet. <clears throat> You know, if you love animals, be a veterinarian. It makes sense. Like, what? You love animals? Go over animals. And even in what I'm doing today, it really kind of outdid what I was supposed to do. Because my journey in actually working with gorillas was that I started volunteering very young in zoos and um, animal hospitals. And I did what I had to do in the animal hospitals because I thought that's that's what I was supposed to do. Everybody told me in order to work as a vet, you got to get experience working in an animal hospital. I was like, okay, this is cool. And working with domestic animals, cats and dogs, I was like, okay, this is fun. But then when I got a taste of that zoo life, it was the first job I had that I didn't look at the clock. Ooh. And I knew I was like, and it was a, it was, um, it was at National Zoo in DC. Okay. We were having a tiger actually sent from Atlanta to DC. Um, and I had gotten to work at 6 a.m. because I was doing all the back end paperwork to get it because it was transported. You wouldn't even believe this. In an unmarked white box truck, it drove up. Mm. So we're tracking it. The sheriff's are tra- it's all this logistical stuff. And I'm like, this is fun. Like this, <laughs> yes. You know, it's an all day planning thing. We're making sure that it has meat. We're making sure we're, we're planning their stops. We're, we're doing all of these things. And then I was like, it was like 2 a.m. And I remember going, my, my boss at the time goes, Christina, go home. And I was like, no, he's not here yet. And he's like, go home. He's like, it's, it's like two. And I was like, no, he's almost here. And, it, and I was like, it's two? And he was like, yes, it's two, go home. And I was like, no. And I was back up to work the next day because there's a process there. They have to quarantine. They got to check. And so it was there that really catapulted everything animal-wise mm. because 
the animal, um, the primate house at the time, they wanted a volunteer to work on a study. And I was still in the process of applying to vet school. I was going through interviews. I, I mean, really was in the vet track. I had gotten accepted to schools. When I started working in that primary house, I would do my applications and I, I took a year, apply, because the, the process for vet school is different than grad school. Okay. So I then withdrew, I took a year, I got ready for the exams that I needed to take and I applied to grad school because it made me happy. So and that's how I started working on primate. Wow, so there's a pivot there. So it's pivots everywhere. Everywhere, but that's a huge one right here on this huge like uh, vet track. Mm -hmm. You said the process Hard. is different it than- It was what I was supposed to do since like four. <clears throat> And so there was this internal battle of, God, am I failing? I'm not doing what I'm, am I copping out? Do I think vet school's gonna be too hard? Mm -hmm. Is that what that is? Do you not wanna, like, what is this? But then I, I, I was um, running a hospital down in Atlanta and I was bored. I, I, and it, it, made, it made it clear to me that I made the right decision. Cause I was like, this feels like a nine to five. Mm -hmm. and, pe and even the people around me were so, you what, you're working with animals? And I'm just like, and then like a year later, I was in Congo. Walking with gorillas. So let me make sure I piece this together. You are on the vet track. Mm -hmm. You had this experience, and tell me the name of it. Where you were working with the tiger to transport it. Well, so basically every so all zoo all zoo animals are owned. Okay. Oh. And so zoo. So for example, a lot of people don't know this, but all pandas, giant pandas in the U.S. are owned by China. Mm. All animals are owned by somebody. Mm. So Zoo Atlanta, so say for instance, a gorilla was born in Zoo Atlanta. That zoo owns the animal. But there's this thing called the Species Survival Plan, SSP. The top three responses that I get when I ask, why do you want to leave corporate America? Are that you want financial freedom, you want to own your own time, and you want to build a legacy for this generation and generations to come. Now, this is not a solo job. In order to transition from your nine to five into entrepreneurship, it's going to take community and it's going to take resources. And I've created the community of pioneers who are going to wrap around you and help you make that transition successful. So if you're interested in leaving your job, go ahead and click that information below. Let's get into the community and let's transition from your nine to five into entrepreneurship successfully. Now let's get back to the episode. Let me back up. The, there are several reasons why a zoo is important. It is for education purposes, but in the event that that animal becomes extinct, we have a gene pool here to rejuvenate it. Okay. So the SSP helps that. The SSP is basically a way that we're able to track the gene pool and make sure that if there is, for example, a female lion, that we know it would be a good mom and we need more lions in the population of the zoo, we need to send a male there that should be good to copulate with. Yes. So that process is basically transferring the animals so that we can have a breeding pair to get more animals there. Mm. There's so much more in that than sitting at a desk as a vet veterinarian. And honestly, now that I'm thinking about it, that's truly where I got into the logistics. I'm so glad you said it because yeah. I'm like, yo, yeah, you got so all this paperwork, all this transportation, you have to make sure he's eating. And what's funny is my boss at the time, in hindsight, didn't like the, the logistics of it. He almost took me under his wing. So when I started at zoo, uh, at the zoo there, um, we were just volunteers or interns rather. We were interns. We were paid. We were interns. Mm -hmm. But you know, it's interning. Go do this. Go do that. I was. <laughs> he had you over here. What? I was walking <laughs> him every day. You know, he. I was his right hand. A lot of people didn't know. Like I, I really was behind the scenes a lot to the point where a lot of the other curators was like. I was sitting in meetings, I was doing, I was sending emails, I was doing, helping him with his research. And in hindsight, it was, I think it was because he wasn't strong in logistics and he saw that I was. And I didn't even realize it until just now. That is so cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
because he was all over the place. And he was like, Christina, are you coming in today? I'm coming. I'm coming. <laughs> yeah. Christina, where is this? Can you do this? Yeah. And it it was a very mutualistic relationship because he got that from me, but I learned so much. Absolutely. Oh, my God. Yes. Like, by the end, I was basically called a curatorial resident mm-hmm. because I would he would let me... He was actually the one that hooked me up with the primate house because he said, Christine, I know you're in the primates because I was working with lion, tigers, and bears, haha, <laughs> under him. Um, and I enjoyed it, but I, I, it was, it was good. It was fun because it was wild animals. I was behind the scenes with lions. I could, t- I, I would never touch the animals, but if I wanted to, you know, there's behind the scenes there are um, like lines that you can't cross because a lion can reach out and touch you. But being that close, you know, um, having that level of trust in me because. I could let out a lion if I wanted to. And I was right there. Mm -hmm. And understanding that he would trust me not to do something like that meant a lot. He put a lot of responsibility and and, and trust in you. Oh, my gosh. So, how old were you? Ooh, uh, early 20s. Early 20s? Early 20s. And you said a year later you're in in Congo. Okay. So, early 20s. I started my my PhD in 2015. And it was years before that. That's amazing. Okay, and going to Congo, bathing in the river where crocodiles uh, are upstream. And it's Jesus. so serene. Yeah. I don't think I've been more at peace than when I would come home after being out in the forest all day and getting in that stream and, and hearing monkeys play above me and laying under the stars. It just, there's nothing. Would you go back? What? Yes, I'm trying to go back. Before my program's over, I really want to go back to see the girl. It's hard. It's seven days in, seven days to get out. It's hard. It's it's a it's a it's mind over matter than anything. You know, being out there knowing, you know, if you're looking at a gorilla but you have to go tinkle and you got to be concerned whether or not an elephant because that's the biggest threat to you is an elephant. Mm-hmm. You know. Why is that? They're going to Ele- yeah. A- elephants in the wild. Okay, everything in the wild, their natural thing is to protect themselves. Mm-hmm. Elephants are poached heavily. Elephants have great memory. When elephants see people, it's fight or flight. And they're going to, and African elephants are very aggressive. You know, a lot of times when, a couple months before I went, a girl was killed and tusked by an elephant, or tusked and killed by an elephant. That's they're very dangerous, yeah. Okay. They're very dangerous, and it's one of those things, like, at, when you walk out in the morning, you're like, all right, I pray I make it back. So tell me this. You, it's like, it's like Superman. In the day, you're running events for people who are running, like, um, let's say multi-million dollar events, right? Whether social and then conferences that also have multi-million dollar budgets and you're enjoying it. And then you have this whole other life, right? That it would have a whole other set of demands on you. So as an entrepreneur, how do you, and I'm sure it has something to do, do with logistics or how you put things in, in, my, in your mind, but how do you compartmentalize this world, which is a whole career in itself, and then your time with the with the gorillas. So, so before I answer that, my biggest thing is I want to have a lot of fun in life. And I'm going to do everything. That we we all have. I don't know tomorrow if I'll be here. So anything I want to do, I'm going to do. If I want to go walk with gorillas, I'm going to walk with gorillas. And that's the way I treat my business. So that says it all. That's it. So you're going to figure it out. And because you've done all the logistics, if if and when you go to the back to the Congo, you're going to figure it out. I have walked in the forest with gorillas. There is nothing I can't figure out. Mm, 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 mm. You know, there, there was when I was out there, I had gone in what you call a buy. And it's basically this waterway that they go in because it's a lot of good food for them. But obviously there's a lot of stuff in there that could harm you if you're not. Because it's murky. You can't see. I'm walking in the by and something gets in my foot. 
I lose, I can't put weight on my foot. I am out, I'm out there. So the guys, we're trying to figure it out. And I just was like, we're here. I think even with events, I have this mindset like, we'll figure it out, it'll be okay. Did you panic? You don't I see couldn't. I, you, you panic out there, yeah. there's so many more mistakes. Yeah. You panic out there, you'll get killed. Absolutely, I have definitely heard that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even because even <clears throat> with the gorillas, you know, my advisor said to me, Christina, if a gorilla charges you, you have to stand there. You have to stand your ground. And that's 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 hard to do. Uh, a 500 pound gorilla coming dead at you, and there's there's not a not the zoo. There's no glass to stop them. You're like, I hope he stops because if you run, you make it worse. You can't panic. You got to think. And it's no different than event planning yeah. or logistics for operations or anything like that. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. Because there's a team out there that's collecting samples for me, even still. There, that's logistics there. It's all the same. I just want to do what I want to do in life, and nobody stopped me. Yeah. And I don't think enough people live that unapologetically. Absolutely not. I think your your ability to to pressure test your like sense like fear sensory is like here, right? Whereas a lot of people are just afraid to ask a question. I don't. I do not. One of my favorite songs. This is gonna sound. I'm not. Can't believe I'm saying this. Better <laughs> <laughs> be But this is one of like when I start feeling down. One of my favorite songs to listen to is No Regrets by Pusha T. Really? I don't believe. How, how's it go? <clears throat> I, I really don't know how. Like, I really. Should we play it? We're not gonna play it. <laughs> the point is, <laughs> I don't believe in regrets in life. Yeah. You know, there's wins and lessons, and I just, I just want to do what I want to do. Don't stand in my way. And that's just it. I love it. I love it. I think you have a lot to teach, even though like you're not in the coaching space yet. Like, I think there's a lot of people out there who, even myself, like over time, have been like just hindered from like internal thoughts. But putting yourself in a physical space where your fears are right in front of you and you can face them makes you a kind of fearless person when it comes to some of these social things. I remember I was 19. I had never, I had never even been on a plane. My my first my first true internship was in Puerto Rico. Oh. And I went out and lived in Puerto Rico for like four months by myself. I remember having this conversation with my very protective father about this. It's like a couple days from when I'm supposed to leave. He goes, all right, so tell me your plan. You're going out to Puerto Rico. Who are you living with? I'm going by myself. What? <laughs> I'm going by myself. Wait, you're going to Puerto Rico by yourself? And I spoke Spanish and good enough to like live and survive and all that good stuff. And he's just like, so you're going to be a wildlife biologist in Puerto Rico by yourself? And I'm like, yep. And I did. And I think that e that scares people. Yeah. It's scary. He's like, okay. Have you thought about it? No, I'm just going to go do it. Yeah. Because if I think about it, you're not going to do it. Absolutely. The more you think about it, you're like, I don't know, I'll figure it out. Mm. Before I looked up, I was living on a, I was living in a, I was living in an apartment on the beach. Nice. And I would leave. Yeah, so every morning I would wake up to the water. The bugs were insane. That's one thing. I don't like bugs. So it's like, how are you? It's so oxymoronic. Yes. It's so I was like, where is oh, this girl? Oh, <laughs> I am the girliest girl out there. I do not. But I enjoy it because yeah. it's, it's a, it's a, it's a challenge. Listen, talk about not panicking. You over here like, oh, hey, the gorilla just charged me. I'm good. Spiders. <laughs> there are these things called sweat bees. And it's not even a, a, a fear thing. There are these things called sweat bees in Congo. That can actually kill you. No. No? That, that, oh my God. That was probably the hardest thing to get over. These things called sweat bees. Because they actually don't kill you. Mm. They just don't go away. Mm. Everything ends. Okay, eventually. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. I would be out there, and you're sweating because it's, you know, you're walking. You're, and they congregate in everywhere that you sweat. And if you kill them, they release this pheromone that you can smell. 
and more will come. Can you imagine standing there and they tickle? So the minute you go and you can smell them, I would go, oh my God, because it would get worse. Yeah, yeah. I remember there is only one person that, that I don't think I've ever met that tops my mindset when it comes to stuff like that. And that's my advisor. She was standing there like nothing. The back of her neck was covered. They were all over her hands, around her lips. Think about it. Even the places you don't even know you sweat, around your eyes, mm -hmm. behind your ears. No problem. No problem, never blinked. No, never blinked. And I was like, this woman's insane, but she's an inspiration. Mm. But yeah. That's amazing. Sweat bees, they could almost kill me, I feel like, but they can't, they don't, they don't bite or anything like that. It's just, uh, I can't kill them. Yeah. Because if you go boop, you literally, I, there were several times where I would smell the smell and I'd go, oh. Too late now. You, um, I'm curious about like so when it comes to chicago and everything that we hear about it it's so um about the violence and like and then there's race and all of that right mm -hmm. the experiences that you have to me would seem that you can transcend like certain racial trauma do you feel like because i'm just mm -hmm. i'm envisioning your advisor being white right 100 percent. right so do you feel like in your experience race has ever race and and some of the issues that we talk about Politically, uh, politically, from like a Chicago perspective, do you feel like your experience kind of you don't see color? The violence that you see is oh, that's not true. Mm -mm. Mm. Nope. I I went to all black everything throughout. Mm. Puerto Rico was well, that's not true. When I worked at the zoo, obviously I'm the only little black girl in there, right? Mm. So that a little bit gave it to me, but really what did it was being in the primatology world. People would people would meet me when I, I I was invited to speak in Japan. I was been invited to speak in Kenya, and they would see the papers I would read. And then when I would walk on stage, people are confused because I would I would show up like this. Yeah. And they would be like, "This is who was out in the." I remember this really big burly white guy walks up to me at the um, at the conference in Kenya. He's like, "Christina, yeah." And he's just like, so you went to that site? And I was like, yeah. He was like, that is one of the hardest sites. And we all know that it's hard. And I was like, yeah. He was like, so do you have a lot of experience? And I was like, no, it's my first time. What? The thing is, that that world, I'm one of the first black to do it. Mm -hmm. I'm around. When I walk in a conference, there are no. And imagine. None. Yeah. And then imagine a black girl that's walking in heels. Yeah. Hi, guys. <laughs> Let's talk statistics. <laughs> about gorillas. So that's really what it did. Yeah. And corporate. Yes, we haven't even gotten into your corporate, corporate. experience. Mm -hmm. So what did you do in corporate? Operations. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, what I did is I would go in and build companies. So one of my latest projects and probably my last full corporate one, is, and not because I don't enjoy it, it's just the rigidity of it. You're not going to make me come in office. I don't care how much you're paying me. But that's what they require and that's okay. It's just not for me. Mm -hmm. Um... I, my last job or client, I took their company from five people to 65 people. And at the time they weren't valued. They were valued at a couple million and we grew it to 165 million. And now they're about to go public and I'm behind the operations on all that. Getting the teams built, mm -hmm. getting all the series through, getting all of that. You, did you, okay. How do, how do you connect, how do you connect Always having a love for animals, mm -hmm. um, having the experience, and I always forget the name of the primatory? Primatology. Primatology. 
Um, and then the way that I see it, and you'll have to correct me if I'm wrong, it's like you just go into an organization where like you they are counting on you to grow their business from five to sixty five, and they, obviously you did it. But where did the logistic experience come from where they counted on you to do that and then you like did it? Like how did I learn to do it? Yeah, how did you learn? What was your first experience of well, the first experience was actually you navigating the tiger. So so actually, um, when I was working at the zoo, it was actually a government job. I actually okay. started in government. Okay. And what people don't realize is government is far more strict on certain things in corporate because there's only certain rules. Like, there's certain things that they can do because by, like, law, they have to, mm -hmm. you know. And so I spent my formative years in, in government, and that gave me the foundation for corporate. And corporate gave me the foundation for the logistics for. So it, it actually is not like, because I think I see in your face where you're like this, this, this. Yep. It's actually more of a line. Mm. It's just not as... It's just not as a clear path like, oh, yeah, I spent 20 years in corporate. Right. Exactly. But that's where the dynamics come from. That's the that's the that's why people bring me in because they're like, you're thinking about things I never even thought of. It's like, yeah, because my experiences have to they're my wide experiences. Exactly. Has taught me to anticipate things that you would never even you, it would have taken you 10 steps to think. Yeah. So when I'm looking at you doing an event, I might think that you like from the face facial expressions, facial expression that you're like this close from a meltdown but i feel like that's this is probably a piece of cake compared to all of the situations and i just always look stressed i'm yeah. like like for example when you saw me at the morning meetup i wasn't I, i'm i'm manning everything and running it but i'm not i'm not like oh god like i've done events where i'm stressed mm. and i feel like when someone stresses me i don't like to work with them mm. if you put me in a place where i'm stressed that's bad i don't stress easy you know not truly stressed i might stress more like for my own goals for myself yeah like, I want to have this done. That, but never like, oh, God, this is going to go left. There have been very few situations that I've been put in like that. And when I'm put in situations like that, I don't work with that client again. Mm. Because I'm not operating at my best like that. When you push me to the point that I'm worrying, it's bad. Yeah. And there's something that you gravely dropped the ball on. And the bigger thing is, let me not say that. I will work with a, a, a client who maybe has, but if they learn from that experience and they don't put me in that one again, or they take accountability, I'm able to do it. But if there's no accountability... That's gonna happen again. Mm -mm. Hey y'all, let me tell you about my friends at Run The World Clothing. Run The World is a community empowerment brand that chooses to educate on black history, black culture, and black radical thought through apparel and experiences. Run The World is a vessel to celebrate the black experience for our black people and our allies. And I have on one of their latest pieces from this season's collection. So if you haven't seen Run The World Vic's episode on the Work and Play podcast, go check it out or go to their website to check out some of their apparel. Now let's get back to the episode. And talk about accountability. You have extreme personal awareness, right? I have um, to. Yeah, a lot of people don't. Like I not extreme. There's places that I can improve. Work, yeah. yeah There's for blind sure. spots. We all have blind spots, yeah, right? For sure. Um, would you? So I'm thinking about your level of awareness, right? We all have blind spots as people. Um, I'm a single woman, and I, I spend all day getting to know myself. I know how many toes I like. I just I'm just in it, <laughs> right? But then I think back to you being a mom. One, like, when did you when did you become a mom? Was it were you a young mom or no? He's four. He's or four. almost four. Okay, so you have you accomplished half of this stuff, and then you went and have a baby. Where did it? Like, I'm trying to figure out. What, I'm I, in the Congo. So Please, was, let me go have a baby so real the, quick. So the person I was with when I was in the so my son's father I was with for uh for about four years. Okay. He was actually the person that I was with. 
in the comp. Yes, mm-hmm. that was so hard for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, God, I can't believe I'm saying this, but at the time, you know, we weren't. It wasn't going to work. And I, going back full circle, going back to the relationship with my parents, mm. I I believe that love had to be hard. And I thought I thought that long term suffering meant it was love, you know. And it's like, this is what it's supposed to be. Like, you know, but it, it doesn't. Mm-hmm. And it really doesn't. <laughs> and when I started understanding that, I started getting out of that situation. I'm curious about the journey. Um, because I think we, once we know we have to choose ourselves, that's the first part of it. And it's, it's, especially when a kid's involved, you feel it's selfish. Right. So that's my question. It's like, what's the process that it took for you? Ooh. To I'm still yourself. I'm still going through that process. Mm. You know, it's going to always be that internal, which is why you're not supposed to have kids out of wedlock. Yeah, it's that internal mm. struggle of like, oh, this is my family. Mm-hmm. You know, and I have to stay in counseling about that. My counselor always says to me, "But well, what is the definition of family? Family isn't like always mommy and daddy. If it's not love there or not care or a true like genuine connection, you know, that's really what I had to realign my definition of family." And realign my definition of love. Since you're such a go-getter, is that what allows you to be very ambitious? Like, before you even had your son? Because, like, or were you boy-driven and, uh, you know, ambitious at the same time? I'm definitely a relationship person. I've been, oh, yeah. What? I am. Dynamic is not the word here. Like, all of these (laughs) lives fitting into one person. I think that I confuse people. Yeah. Like I like I remember when I started talking to this guy, he was just like, What you do is dope, but do you know how to turn it off at home? I was like, You have no idea. I don't want to make a decision at home, baby. Whatever you want to do. That's literally, literally what I'm like. You want me to cook for you? I I really cause I don't I have to make decisions for everybody else all the time. I don't want to have to do it at home. And I want I want to take care of you and I want you to take care of me. And I want that thirst to be genuine and match it. That thirst. Thirst. I want to be thirsty. Because I'm going to be thirsty for you. Why would you not be thirsty for me? And if I'm not getting it, I don't want it. Because somebody will. Ooh, say it. We get relationship advice on here. We get wildlife geographic on here. We get all of that. Wildlife. <laughs> we are learning. We get gorillas. We get lions. We get all of it. So you mentioned mm-hmm. um, nobody's perfect. You know what I mean? Like, And as, as uh, wound up and tightened as we can be, we have blind spots. So since you are like, what are my blind spots? Yeah, since you've pro- you, you know you've been able to process these things. Okay. What would you say it is? Perfectionism. But I'm not. See, people say that thing like perfectionism is what is that? Uh, the death of productivity. False. It depends on the person. Mm. Where it catches me up is I sometimes expect the same level of excellence from other people, and I'm let down, and I and I need to carefully calibrate how I react to that Mm -hmm. so there's that um and even personally my level of expectation for myself makes me be real really hard on myself you know and I push myself in ways that average people don't so when I fail I'm really hard on myself instead of being like Christina most people wouldn't even like come on but that's the way I remain humble I just got to calibrate it so it doesn't go too far to where I'm beating myself up I beat myself up a lot you know because when I set goals for myself I'm so used to hitting them and it's like where did it go wrong what could I what could I have done different? I always, mm-hmm. like all the people, the close people around me, that's my, my first question. What could I have done different? Because maybe I'm not seeing it. Was I tripping there? What, what, you know, so that. Um, Say it. No, I'm thinking. Oh. I'm thinking. I'm thinking. I, being a high D, I can run myself in the ground. Yeah. Easy. 
and I'm able to, the problem is I've done it so much, it's so easy for me to do. And then the problem is, then I gotta reboot, then I gotta, but it doesn't take me long. Like for example, I was on a job this weekend. I probably slept 10 hours, I'm exhausted. Slept 10 hours over like five days trying to get things done. And I slept like, I don't know, like six hours. I said, I'm fine. You know, I'm still tired. I can sleep more, but I have so much to do. You know, and it's like most people are like, girl, sleep. Yeah. You know, one, so one thing I need to do is remember this is a long game. Mm-hmm. I need to operate like this is a long game. If I run myself in the ground now, I'm going to be all wrinkled up and not cute early. I mean, later in life, like, <laughs> this isn't. <really. laughs> That's not cute. That's not cute. What? I got bags. Who was that? No. So, yeah. so when you talk about your weaknesses, you someone would think that's a cop out answer, right? Mm. Um, because like perfection, and not to say that it is, it's just that perfectionism. Because we do things to a, such a high standard, right? People are like, eh, that's not really a weakness. But what I'm identifying in hearing you say, it's a weakness because you're deteriorating inside. Yeah. While everyone run, gets early when I said process over people, that's including myself. Mm. That's me. I will to get something done. I will wow. run myself. You get what I'm saying? Yes. It's, people always think it's external. Mm-hmm. When you're high D, it's yourself too, and kind of more importantly yourself. You know. So yes, I can see that. So I'm like, let me think of, let me like, okay, I I just want to be loved, hmm. and I think that sometimes it gets me in trouble because it's just like, okay. So Lauren, you, you don't, you don't want. So mm-hmm. we actually have, the reason why we work so well is because she's so crazy rational and I'm so crazy emotional. And she's like, Christina, that doesn't make sense, right? When it comes to like love and stuff, because I'm just like, I don't understand this. Why do we have to play games? If I like you, you like me, we're adults. Why do we, you can't do this. I don't want to do that. And if I got to do that, but I do understand that it is a game. Yeah. And there's seductive powers and things that we have to take into account. So it's understanding that I have to protect myself more mm-hmm. and having better discernment. That's a real good one. There you go. Yeah. That at first I was I was going to be okay with the perfectionism, but I think when we think about blind spots, it's like what's standing in the way of me getting what I want? That's definitely one. Love yeah. life-wise. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. a big, yeah, that's a big one. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of us can actually resonate with that. We are so good at doing what we do that we don't want to apply. I think if we wanted to, and tell me how you feel about this, because I think as an entrepreneur... We are so good at thinking around the business and the external stuff that if it's kind of like a bank robber, mm-hmm. if you had taken some of that that knowledge that that savvy and, and applied that, it somewhere, then we would be. Mind. I feel like we'd be married by now. That kind of dude. Why are we doing this? <laughs> what like what? So for real, why are we doing this? Is it that you have to choose between a married life and a, a life full of love? Versus you doing super well in all of these things that fulfill you in other ways. If, yes, you do have to choose unless you are really good at balancing. Who's good at balancing? Me. Okay. Some people are really good at balancing. Okay. I The balance is I will run a full-on multi-million dollar production and I will go home and cook for you and lay up with you and rub your back and rub your feet and do all of that. It's balanced. <clears throat> I hear more work. I hear you're good at that, you, but you also have this perfectionism mm-hmm. bone mm-hmm. over here. Mm-hmm. So you're running yourself to the ground. You got to mm-hmm. add more room for self care there, mm-hmm. and then you go home and you take care of me. I'm, I, I, no, no, I no, think no, no. you'll but, be good. But remember, yeah. but remember, I said someone that also takes care of me. Facts. So when he sees me like that, he's like, "Come on, baby, come on, come yeah, on. come on, come lay here. You need some sleep. Yeah, I'll tuck you in. Mm-hmm. I'll see you in the morning. I got the rest of the house. Mm. And that's not often, 
But like after this weekend, if I were to come home, I want him to be there with welcome arms like Christina. Yeah. Now. Not like rub my feet. Not like that, but like because I don't get like that often. If I have a big project I'm doing, that's that's everyone's but also that particular situation was extreme. Yeah. But yeah, like I would that's just that mutual thirst. Mm. It's important for you to take care of me the way I take care of you. Yeah. And maybe not even the way that I take care of you, but the way I need. Exactly. It can it can be different. That's because a- all of my good girlfriends that know me, they know that. Mm. Like <laughs> The other day goes, I go, okay, I don't think I'm going to be able to sleep tonight. I have so much to do. She says, Christina, you cannot not sleep tonight. You, If you don't sleep tonight, you're you're done. I'm like, I'm not done. I wouldn't have been done. I just wouldn't have been able to pull off what I could have pulled off. You know, and it's having people around me. It's like, Christina, 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 please, please. Okay, slow down. Yeah. Slow down. You got this. Slow down. Same thing. Are you big on manifestation? No, but I would really want, I, it's funny that you brought that up. Like, during that interview at because with the events that I'm at I am paying attention to what's going on so during that interview at the morning meetup I thought about that I was like huh I don't really manifest the way that I should I manifested animals but I have more recently started to manifest love more Mm. and being more intentional about when I don't see what I need not trying to fix and be like well could you just just being like well nope I'm gonna manifest them in that wheel yeah (laughs) <laughs> got you so manifestation when it comes to relationships and then as you think about your career has how it's evolved in the in the social space in the event space did you see yourself working with entrepreneurs in atlanta doing things like this here's what's insane i remember doing before covid even truly hit i remember standing in my kitchen juicing i love juicing standing in my kitchen juicing and something came over me and i started praying and i was just like I am supposed to be doing more and I don't know what it is. I can feel that you want me to do more. Put me there. Just put me there. And then, you know, I was already, like I said, doing corporate stuff and like, you know, really working. But then it's like, oh, we're here. We're here. So manifest. Yeah, I I have. And but just not just unknowingly Mm. feeling the need. Like I feel unfulfilled. and I know something's bigger is pushing it, pulling at me. And I don't know what it is. I can't really explain it. Yeah. That's it. That's it. I can, but I do need to be more intentional about that in other parts of my life. I will say that. Yeah. Like relationships mm-hmm. and, and family, perhaps. Mm-hmm. For sure. Mm-hmm. For mm-hmm. sure. I can I can understand that. When it comes to, um, you know, speaking of family, because we can go in. We go in about a bunch of Yeah. But speaking of family, what, and we talk about the men, right? We talked about like having a man, having a husband. What is your like perfect dynamic? Like what kind of. Like know, a relationship? like family how much time do you want to spend with your like mom dad cousins like extended family yeah i want to i don't have i have a big immediate family but like i my mom's the only child my dad has um a brother and a sister and that's really i don't really have much many cousins i don't really have a huge family Mm. um but i love my family and i wish that i could spend more time and i work as hard as i do with the idea like okay i want to be able to have the freedom to spend more time with my family yeah for sure Mm. For sure. And especially the more kids I have, my husband, I really, I'm telling you, I'm my happiest when I'm cooking. I remember I was going through a breakup and um, I invited my girlfriend Lauren over and we were just talking and I was like, you hungry? She was like, it's 1 a.m. I was like, okay, are you hungry? She was like, you want to cook? I was like, I'm going to cook, yeah. And I just made Alfredo from scratch and we were just talking and kicking it and it was one of the most fun times I had because I just, I genuinely enjoy that. It's not work, it's cathartic to me. So I want to be able to do that. 
I want to be able to do it and enjoy myself with my kids and my husband, not worry, you know, leave the house, do what I need to do, go and plan an event here, handle it, come home, mm -hmm. and be paid enough to do them here and there to where I'm not having to work. And the work that I do do is when I feel like it. You know, it's like, I know I got this event coming. Let me just spend two hours on this Tuesday to get this stuff ordered and done and mapped out and stuff like that. But not like, nine, how I'm working now, I do not want to work like this. Mm -hmm. And quite frankly, it's funny enough that we're having this conversation. If I had to choose work or being a housewife, I'd be the housewife. Hands down. That is, I specifically had a client, super hardworking. And when I asked her to write out her vision, I feel like it might have been about her vision. She wrote about being a housewife. And when we talked about it, she was like, no, 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 no. I mean, I mean, and it was such a conflict because for her to say that. A, no, and it's, I recently, only within the last two weeks, just realized that about myself. Hmm. It's a, it's a, it's an internal battle. Like, it's like someone like, I want to work. Why would you want to work? Why would you not want to be home with your baby? Why would you not want to be, when your man comes home, to be able to greet him? What? Yeah. What? Yeah. I would want to be a housewife. People would never believe that. They're like, what, Christina? That's why when that guy asked me, could you, could you turn it off? I'm like, do you know? <laughs> and even better than that, not only could I turn it off to you, I would run your house like, because I'm thinking how about I everything. Do, exactly. Like, how I do everything. It's an asset. You literally could build your family life. Like, you could take your life as it is right now and build it to Beyonce and Jay-Z just simply based on knowing logistics, knowing family values. That's it. And being a good partner. That's it. <laughs> Listen, just so that you know, I mean, if you are interested, I feel like you need to take take some notes and then figure, figure out how to reach out to them. Um, okay, so I almost, I don't want to forget my thought because I get so excited about, so yes, the housewife. It's all over the place. It, no, it is because, oh, it was you enjoying yourself. Um, and you're you, actually, if, if you think back and think and listen to this conversation, you're manifesting the life that you want to live. So, like, I really believe it's coming. It. Yes, it's, I, I, say, I can feel it. I, mm -hmm. I can feel it. It's falling in line because I've noticed that there are very few things in life that I say I want to do and I don't get or do. Mm -hmm. And if I just start moving that way and saying it, they're gonna come. Yes, and you speak with come. such energy. I think when you put energy behind anything, I'm a very energetic person. I mean, it took me a while to own that, but when you speak with energy, you don't have to sit cross-leg to manifest. You literally say it, and so it is. Because the other thing is, the hardest part is saying it so you can move accordingly. Mm -hmm. And I hold myself accountable. Like, when I do something, I love to shop. Love to shop. Love to put looks together. Just love, right? <laughs> so it's like, okay, Christina, you keep shopping. How, how are you going to do with savings? What does this look like at 70? So when I'm doing something stupid, like buying something I'm not supposed to buy, I'm like, mm, let me go put that in a stock. Mm -hmm. Thinking about the long-term goal. You said that you want to be traveling. You said you wanted a house on every continent and a big one. And you said that you want to be able to travel with your husband on your PJ. How you moving? Like, would a man with money want to deal with you? How you Like, these are the types of things. Like, when you say it, it's like you start moving differently. Because it's like, hmm. Got to hold yourself accountable. You got to hold yourself accountable. Mm -hmm. And to the relationship thing, when a man's not ready, that level of accountability and discipline that you have can intimidate people, mm. including someone who you could potentially be dating. So it's like finding the happy median of you being who you are, you manifesting, you walking in that, but then also not like imposing that on someone else if they're not ready and just leaving them as where they are and that's okay. Not trying to change them. Yeah. That's the thing. That's a whole growth area. That's a whole growth area. Yeah. Speaking of, like, this is so, like, uh, wrapped up in self-awareness, mm -hmm. right? And if we shift a little bit, we're entrepreneurs. Like, you've gone from um, government to corporate to now entrepreneur. Um, and uh, I think it takes this level of self-awareness for us to get good in our business. And for us who don't have a Christina just yet, 
I think there are parts of us that we need to identify in order to be ready to work with someone like you. You agree? What is that thing, right? We're, we are young. So I'm a young entrepreneur. There are entrepreneurs that you work with that have been in the game for 20, 30 years. What are those things, those seeds that we need to be planting in ourselves to be able to truly get a COO and have a symbiotic relationship? Eh, make sure I said that right. Um. <laughs> you have to know your weaknesses. Yeah. You may not, or or even know, like like I said before, you know, before we kind of started, I said the bigger the biggest thing is you may not be able to identify like it's this, but knowing that something's not right and you being ready to take that away and go to the next level. Mm. And being able to let go. I think that as, you know, new entrepreneurs, so many people are like, I got to have my hands in everything. I got to do this. No, I got to do it myself. And like, that's the biggest thing to inhibit your growth, 1000%. Because if you hire me and you don't let me do my job, you're wasting money. You're wasting an asset. You're wasting a resource. Because also, I'm not going to work with you ever again. I, you get kind of a one strike thing with me. Mm. So right now, for entrepreneurs, we, we, I'm big on strengths, mm -hmm. um, but uh, for you to be so caught up on being comfortable and complacent with the strengths that we have, you're saying as a CEO, a future CEO who wants to work with you, figure out your weaknesses, figure out the you things have to, that... You, there's a two-stepper. you got to figure out your weaknesses, and you have to be ready to just trust. If you didn't trust that I would do it, you wouldn't have me here. What are we worrying about? If you worry and you do all that, you're stopping me. You're not letting me run at my full potential. And that actually, that actually is tough on me. Because then I start, and it's like, it's, it's just not a good dynamic. You know, the Book Yourself Solid book is really critical for entrepreneurs because it really teaches you about choosing who you work with. It's not about quantity. It's about the quality. When you enjoy working with people, you do better work. It just is what it is. You can't work with someone that you can't really be yourself with that's the same thing with relationships and i think that too often we kind of kind of this is a bit oxymoronic but we don't use some of those same rules there mm. you if it if if the person can't be themselves it's not going to work across the board as an entrepreneur it's the same thing mm. hey guys it's ariel from the work and play podcast if you're getting any value from this channel and i mean anything from the tutorials to the podcast to the random videos that you see on this channel then i just ask that you do one thing please subscribe subscribe and share this to anyone that you think this resonates with and drop a comment below so i know what other things that you want to see next now let's get back to the episode you are really helping us out with a lot of things today and um for you i am curious Cause I can have you all. I can hear you. You're a curious person. I am. You ask questions. You ask the great, like the greatest questions. You really do. Every time you ask a question, I'm like, oh God, Aria. On that stage in the morning, <laughs> meet up, I was like, oh my God, please, please. Like my mind is 50 places, and I like to think critically. You know, do the stuff that you ask, but it's go. Well, I'm this ready. is this is my last one because this doesn't have to be your last. It, one. That's okay. okay. Well, I, okay, cool. So, we can do a two-parter. Yeah. Thank you. This is, okay, so I got a promise. Okay. So when it comes to your relationship with trust, mm -hmm. um, it's my faith uh, with trust has actually gotten stronger since I've been an entrepreneur. Because mm. I think you I've have been to. Yeah. What has been your relationship with trust, and do you feel like you've always kind of been, been a person led by faith, or did you have an intentional conversation with yourself to say, "Hey, get your hands off the wheel. Let me trust the process." A little bit of both. A little bit of both. And the bigger thing is not trusting other people. I trust other people, fine. It's trusting myself. Ooh, 
That's even deep. That's been, that's been my bigger issue is trusting myself. When literally there have been very few times, like there have been many times when something went wrong and I was like, you told yourself this. You knew this was coming. Why did you do that? It's trusting yourself. Because honestly, when you bring in an expert and you don't let them do their job, it's because you somewhere in there, it may not even be the other person. It's something that you've done or something that you don't trust yourself. Yeah. Yeah, that the being able, and I, I don't know if men experience this, but I do know this is a nuance with women trusting our intuition. Because it's there. Yeah. And it's loud. It's the weirdest thing. And it gets stronger as a mother. Ooh. It gets strong. Because now you have this little person <clears throat> that you have to really rear. <laughs> you're you're raising the next generation. The, there are things that I'm just like, I don't even play about with my child. And I need to have that same protection of myself. Yes. We really have to raise ourselves. We really have to raise ourselves. And and the thing is, I think that as adults, we think that age dictates maturity. Mm. And and even entrepreneurially, we, we can apply the same principle. You know, I've worked with entrepreneurs, like you said, 20, 30 years in the game, and they think they know it all. And sometimes they're the worst people to work with. And it's like, but you're calling me and you're 20 and 30 years in. Even 10, 5. So you don't know. And that's okay. But you have to trust yourself to make this decision. You have to trust yourself to make this investment. Mm. And it only works if you just let me be. Mm. I have really enjoyed this. And then the I only too. reason that I'm not going to ask you more questions is because, one, we both have things <laughs> to do. But I know you are going to need your time to relax re and recharge after this weekend. So um, when we think about, like, reaching back, right? Mm -hmm. This is more of a word of wisdom conversation. Okay. We need to learn from you. Oh. We want to be more like you, Christina. Oh. Yes. Okay. In, in any ways that we can. I'm a high eye, so I'll never quite be. Matter of fact, I want to let some of this go. <laughs> um, but when you think about your journey and the things that have tripped you up, and it could be you know that trusting yourself, what would you say to the next entrepreneur who hasn't even jumped out to do something on, on their own? Or hasn't taken the heed of like, hey, I, I know I'm destined for more. And they haven't asked themselves that question. They haven't done anything with it. What would be your word of advice for a person who just still trying to get right in their spirit? You know, I think that we, there's a happy median. Like people, okay. I find that in entrepreneurship, there are two ways um, that people kind of move. It's either do it and do it now and, and it is what it is and how it comes out is how it comes out, right? You can always do better. Or it's, you know, they're, they're, they're stuck with perfectionism and I can't move and I'm thinking, I'm thinking. Really focus on that median. Really more towards doing it well though. Because I think that, no, you don't, you don't have to be at the level of perfectionism, but if you think through or have someone around you or find a way to, to, to get a lot of the issues that you would have along the way out and you try to anticipate those you're more likely to operate at a higher level because you don't you're not you're not correcting so much you're you're there so you might go through if you as you say as some people say just do it and do it now you are something that may have taken you five steps because you're doing it and doing it now you can do it too and now you're not as hard on yourself as dad i did that but there there it's, it's not one or the other it's it's kind of you like 75 and being on that being on that spectrum is the the happy place i think i love it i love it that definitely gives us something to gauge and to run it all back you gave us a data point to measure it See? <laughs> numbers numbers i have 
enjoyed you so much. Thank you for having me. Yes, thank you. I feel like I'm going to be a better person after I walk away. I'm going to have to replay this. We're going to have to have some time together. Yes. Like, I cannot wait for us to kick up our feet and just, like, look back in this time. So, thank you 100% thank for you. joining me. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Until next time. Until next oh, time. Oh, before we get out of here, listen. If someone wants to work with you, they I know they've heard your story. They want to still stay connected. They want to work with you. How can they get in contact with you? So you can email info at gorillaoperations.com. One of my clients has forced me to get an Instagram. So I'm also on Instagram now. I'm so over that. I, I, I get to post some of the pictures I have with you. Because <laughs> I'm like, oh. I didn't. No pictures. I'll be at events and people are like, what's your Instagram? Because I just, but um, Gorilla Operations. Awesome. One hundred percent. So y'all know you. where to find her. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for watching. Until next time, peace out.